into the Word. Now, for the last uh, four weeks, I have been preaching from Psalm 34, and I have used, in particular, verse 8 as the theme and uh, the title of the theme. And the series has been called, Taste and See That the Lord is Good. And uh, each sermon, at the end of that sermon, we actually served up a, a course from a banquet that we had. I served uh, five weeks ago uh, here in church when I preached on the banquet table, the banquet tables of God. And uh, so many people were left with their taste buds unsatisfied as I had two couples out here tasting the food. And so for the last four weeks, we've been serving up a different course from that banquet. How many of you have enjoyed that? Was that fun? Absolutely. And the last week, we rounded it up with tiramisu. But I, I, I felt that the Lord impressed on me to continue with this theme. And uh, as I was praying and waiting on the Lord, he gave me Psalm 103. And... <clears throat> In Psalm 103, uh, especially verse 2, but verse 1 and 2, David says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all of my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget none of his benefits. You see, once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you need to remind yourself of the benefits of God and you need to speak to your soul and tell your soul that God is good. You have the evidence to prove it. You have the history to back it up and God is faithful. Can I get agreement here this morning? Amen. So, yeah, yeah, go on. Give the Lord a clap. Let's not cut that short. Yeah, come on. So in Psalm 103, verse 1, David starts out. The same David who says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And we've seen over the last few weeks, not only in the food tasting, but in the word that's been delivered, that God is actually scrumptious. He's delicious. He's inspiring to the palate. Well, in verse 1, David says, praise the Lord, my soul, my innermost being. Come on, praise his holy name. And then he goes into verse 2, and I'm going to cut verse 2 halfway. Because the first half of verse 2, he again addresses his soul. Listen, the reason why David addresses his soul, because he knows that the soul... Your soul, and I will define that in a moment, is the place where you will either rise up in victory or you will sink into the depths of despair and misery. Did you hear me? David often addresses the soul. And I find that the church, we as born-again Christians, need to identify what is our soul and then secondly, learn how to talk to our soul based on biblical principles. And it will take us to new levels of strength. It will take us to new levels of victory. It'll take us to new levels of confidence. It'll take us to new levels of overcoming determination. 
Absolutely. And David is a perfect picture of a man who learned how to talk to his soul. And so today, I'm going to feature on David and uh, the Psalms he's written. And we're going to look at a couple of stories from David's life. But first, I want to identify the soul for you so that we all understand where we're starting from, what our soul is, and how to discipline and then bring strength to our soul. So in Psalm 103, I'm going to read it again. Praise the Lord, my soul. David's talking to himself. If he's talking to his soul, he's talking to himself. He is not talking to his spirit. He's talking to his soul. Let me share something with you. When Jesus had taken his disciples towards the end of his life, Hours before his crucifixion, he goes to the Mount of Olives where they had often been. They had had many discourses, many conversations. It was a place of retreat where Jesus often took his disciples and they would meditate and he would talk to them and he would teach them things. It's interesting to me that he takes them back there hours before his crucifixion so that they could start reflecting purely by looking at the scenery, remembering things that Jesus had said to them. Now these were the same disciples that Jesus empowered and sent them out with authority to preach the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. What is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God? Pure and simple, it's this. The good news is God has come to town. Amen. The devil has met more than his match because in Christ we are more than conquerors. My enemy is a conqueror, but the Christ who lives in me and the Christ who lives in you is more than a conqueror. The good news of the kingdom of God is that God has come to earth, God has come to town, Emmanuel, God with us, and he's going to break every stronghold of the enemy and he's going to set the captives free. Praise God. He had sent them out many times. They went into people's homes, knocked on the door and said, I want to tell you, I got good news. God has come to town. The kingdom of darkness has been oppressing us. You've been struggling with inferiority. You've been struggling with tormenting thoughts in your mind. But God has come to town. He has sent his Messiah, Yeshua, the anointed one, and he has come to break the rod of oppression. And these same disciples did miracles in Jesus' name. As they preached the gospel, Jesus said, preach it, tell them the good news, the kingdom of God is here, and then prove it. Put your hands on the sick and break the power of the enemy and heal them in my name. And so they went house to house to house Sowing this message that the kingdom of God has come to town, an earth that has been overridden by the horrendous, manipulative, destructive control of Satan and his demons, his warlords. 
is now being invaded by everything that the kingdom of God is. And it has come to earth to be with man and to set men free. Now, no doubt, we read in the Gospels and we believe it, the disciples saw many miracles. They saw many amazing miracles. In the Garden of Gethsemane, in Jesus' final hours and his most crucial moments, he says to his disciples, now I want you to stay here and I want you to pray just one hour. Just one hour. You can't go to the AMC and pay $18 for a movie that's just one hour. Because every movie is longer than that. He said, just one hour, I want you to pray. And he goes away just a little distance, and he's weeping. The Bible says from his soul, he says, my soul is heavy and sad. We're going to talk about the soul. He said, my soul is heavy and it's sad. And he's crying out to his father. He turns to his disciples, goes back to where they are, and they're sleeping, and he wakes them up. He says, come on, wake up. Wake up, man. Peter, wake up. I'm going to use you as Peter today. Is that okay? That's fine. <laughs> I think I've got a, a willing and able substitute. <laughs> All right. So he wakes up and says, come on, couldn't you tarry one hour? And then he goes away and prays and he comes back and they're sleeping again. Little did they know that this was the most crucial moment. And this is what Jesus says. And, and I said everything I've said so far to say this one statement. He said, the spirit is willing. Your spirit is designed to always be in communication with God. Amen. He said, the problem is, the flesh is an obstacle. The flesh is weak when it comes to the things of God. You see, Jesus felt emotion in his soul. He said, my soul is heavy. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to identify the soul and identify how David learned to take control of his soul and win battles on the battlefield. How many of you want to win more in life? How many of you want to be more victorious in life? How many of you want to emotionally and mentally be stronger and more consistent? Come on, I got my hands up. Be honest. Absolutely. You see, the word soul is nefesh. If we can put it up on the screen, nefesh. And when David uses the word soul here, the Hebrew word nefesh speaks of the soul, the innermost being, a living entity. Any living, breathing creature, nefesh. Animals have a soul. What they don't have, from every indication that we can see in Scripture, and where animals are different, is they don't have a spirit. You see, here's Peter, James, and John casting out devils, doing miracles in the name of Jesus from their spirit. They operated with the Holy Spirit and touched powerful things. But their nenemis, uh, uh, their Achilles heel 
was the region of their soul that they had not mastered and disciplined, their soul still wasn't subject to their spirit. And so they couldn't keep themselves awake for one hour. One measly hour. They couldn't pray. They fell asleep. Even at Jesus' urgency. You see, on the one hand, you can have great victories in the Lord, but what we have to eliminate is that crack in the wall, that weak link in the chain, that Achilles heel, whereby the enemy will undo all the victories we've had because of one monumental fail. And I want to talk to you today about how to overcome that weak link, that Achilles heel, so that you don't have a monumental fail, but rather you go from victory to victory, from mountaintop to mountaintop. You become a person who lives from your spirit and always is in command of each and every situation that the enemy throws at you. So David says to his innermost being, his soul, you are spirit first, then you are a soul, and then you are a body. This is the outward casing. Never ceases to amaze me, and I've been by a few bedsides as people have passed. How within just a matter of hours, this casing that we love to squeeze and pinch and kiss and touch, will become like a limb of a tree, and it becomes hard like wood. This is only the outer casing. We do so much to dress up the outer casing. You are first and foremost, primarily, you, you were designed to be a spirit being with a soul. The soul has personality and character. And then the flesh both the internal organs and the outer skin that everybody sees is just the casing. And David speaks to his inner man, his soul, Nefesh, and he says, I want you to start praising God. Come on, soul. Come on, soul. I want you to praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. You see, there's another word that also relates to the soul, and in the Hebrew, they often use the word heart. God talks about, I will give them a new heart. The word heart is also the realm of the soul. In the Hebrew, the word heart is lebe, and it means the inner man, the area of the mind, the area of the emotions, and the area of the will. You see, your soul is that inner part of us which has thoughts, emotion, and will. And everything originates from your soul. We often think of our brain as being the center of all activity. And that's actually not totally correct. Your brain is much like a computer. It's fantastic. A computer can do amazing things. I don't know if you've been watching lately, but the latest uh, module that landed on Mars, Perseverance, and the amazing things that it could do as it 
drives across the surface of, the, of Mars and collects samples and takes pictures and even takes microscopic images and then it has a helicopter. It can launch its own drone. How many of you knew that? It can launch its own little helicopter so it can rise up and take a great view of what's happening. You see, computers are phenomenal in what they can do and they don't come close to the human brain. And your human brain is, is amazing in terms of how God designed it and what it can actually do. Now, I have a laptop computer, and I do all of my notes on it. I do a lot of calculation. I store. It has a memory just like my physical brain. But my laptop, my computer, my cell phone cannot originate a single thought. It cannot evoke an emotion and it cannot originate a thought. It needs a living, breathing nefesh to give it a command, and then it responds. And what I'm saying to you is this, that thought and emotion doesn't originate from your brain. It originates from your soul. It's the soul that we think and we understand. The brain is the muscle whereby we then process it and break it down to the outer casing, both the internal organs and the members of our body, and then it carries out the action of the desires of the soul. Here, let me put it to you this way. Many times on a, in, a, in the middle of a hospital ER room, a person will pass away, and mentally... The brain can even be dead. There are no brain waves being activated at that time. And they'll work on the heart and they'll keep pumping and pumping and pumping. And at times when that person comes back to life, they speak of the fact that they heard and saw everything that was happening in the room. Yet there were no brain waves. The physical brain was not connected to the physical eye or the physical ears. And yet it had eyes to see and ears to hear. How many of you are hearing me and seeing what I'm talking about? You see, the soul is the life of us. And when we die, our spirit and our soul will go to be with the Lord. Now, your spirit is a realm that was designed to always be in agreement with God. The Bible says that before you get born again, our, soul is our spirit is dormant. Our spirit is dormant. But when we come and we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, our soul and our spirit are now both active. The Bible says that we are quickened. Our spirit is made alive. Your spirit is always in tune with God. Your soul isn't. Let me explain the soul a little bit more. So I said the origin of thought, emotion, and will, the decision to act, is the inner expression of the soul. Before one thought, emotion, or decision is processed through our brain and messaged to the rest of our body, by that physical brain, that muscle, it emanates from the source of who we are, our soul. In a similar way that your physical brain has a left side and a right side, the soul houses both the mind of the intellect and the mind of our emotions. This is your soul. It's what gives character to you. 
It's what gives personality to you. It's what uh, makes you uniquely the person you are. Our soul relates to the world. It gives thought and message and motive and action to the physical brain and through the physical brain and the pair of eyes and ears and the touch senses that we have. It relates to the world. Your spirit relates to God. Can I get an agreement? The spirit is willing. The flesh is a problem. So I said, just similar to the physical brain that has a left side and a right side, the soul houses the mind of your intellect, the mind of your emotions. The mind of your intellect, we're going to put the next slide up, consists of logic, reasoning, belief systems, and memories. Your memories are stored in the realm of the logical mind, the intellect. And those memories are stored in the form of pictures. You vividly remember a scene or vividly remember a short motion picture or movie of what took place. Or you remember words. In the mind of the intellect, we remember in our memory bank, we have pictures, video, and we have words. In the mind of your emotions, it consists of your sentiments, your moods, and your memory as well. But in this realm of the soul, the mind of your emotions, your memory consists of feelings that you felt at a specific time when specific words were spoken to you. It houses memories, the feelings that went through you when your father screamed at you and said, I wish I never had you. It stores also in the memory smells. And so the mind of the emotions stores memories that go hand in hand with the pictures and the words. The mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions activates our will. All of this is in our soul. This is why David speaks to his soul. He's not talking to his spirit, he's talking to his soul. You see, the spirit, Jesus made it very clear. If you guys were led by your spirit, you would be in, in agreement with the Holy Spirit and you'd be praying. But there's an obstacle to your spirit coming into agreement with God and the problem's not in your spirit, it's in your flesh. It's an obstacle. David talks to his soul. It's his soul that needs to get on board. I'm going to tell you right now that if you struggle with depression, if you struggle with rejection, if you struggle with mind-distorting uh, and debilitating thoughts, that's in the area of your soul, and there are fractures in your soul that Jesus wants to heal and set you free. But most of us, even as Christians, we read the word, we learn the word, but we don't understand that we are a living soul as well as a spirit. Your spirit is always in agreement with the things of God. When Adam and Eve fell, they didn't fall in their spirit. They said yes to Satan at the enticement to things that would nourish the soul. 
Satan said to them, if you eat this, you'll have knowledge of good and evil. You'll know what God knows. The mind of intellect in their souls said yes. Their emotions, the mind of their emotions took offense that God was withholding something from them. The first offense took place in the Garden of Eden and man has been taking offense at God and at others ever since. The devil knows how you are wired and he deliberately play, played with the circuit board of Adam and Eve's soul. He enticed their soul to sin and then Eve looked at the fruit and saw that it was desirable for food. It appealed to the body and the flesh. And the two areas that we struggle with in life are our soul because it is out of divine order and therefore it is in disorder, therefore it is in confusion. And we struggle with our soul and we struggle with our flesh. But when we learn how to bring our soul into agreement with the spirit that God put inside of us, it will lead us and we will follow the spirit of God and it will take us from victory to victory, from one mindset of overcoming to another mindset of overcoming. Hallelujah. When Paul writes about carnal Christians, he's talking about people that live primarily from their soul. They are influenced by the ear gate. They are influenced by the eye gate. They are influenced by unruly and undisciplined emotions that stir up sometimes out of memories in the intellect and memories in the emotions and they are triggered when a word comes out from somebody's mouth and it just sets them going. Or it's triggered when they see a picture and it brings memories back and it releases the emotions that were attached to those images in the memory of the intellect. And too often we are led and we are guided and we live life out of the realm of the soul and the soul will always leave you short of where the Spirit of God wants to take you. The soul will always leave you short from where the Spirit of God wants to take you. Let me prove this to you just a little bit more, and I'm going to prove it to you from more scripture. I made the comment, the last slide says, the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions activates the will. When the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions are in disagreement, it is virtually impossible to come to a decision. So in your soul, when your mind is thinking one way, but emotionally you're perturbed, you're disturbed, you have feelings, you have emotions, you have moods, you have sentiments, and they're not in agreement with the mind of logic or the mind of reason or even your belief system. Because the mind of the intellect and the mind of the emotions activate the will when you are in conflict in your soul, it is almost impossible to come to a rock-solid decision on anything. You're thinking. James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8. 
This is James, the brother of Jesus. This is not James, the brother of John. James, the brother of Jesus, was one of the people together with the 12 disciples that Jesus appeared to physically. His own family had doubts about his sanity. But James quickly believed at the crucifixion that his brother really was the Messiah. And at the resurrection, he had a visitation from the Christ. And James became the apostle of the church in Jerusalem. James was among the first to be martyred for the gospel. The apostle James, the brother of Jesus, was thrown off the temple wall. And he, he fell to his near death. And then they took clubs and crushed his skull. Because he was so full of the Holy Ghost that he angered the soul of undisciplined men who weren't spiritual at all. Are you hearing me? So James writes this, and in James chapter 1, verse 5 to 8, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, <laughs> I think I can speak for all of us. At times, I lack wisdom. At times, we lack wisdom. At times, we don't know what to do. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. And the wisdom you lack will be given to you. But when you ask, now he's about to share a principle. Principles are universally true. It doesn't matter if you're talking about healing. It doesn't matter if you're talking about a miracle of a circumstance, a mountain that needs to be removed from your life. It doesn't matter what it is. He's about to reveal a principle. He said, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Now, on the topic of asking God, he says, let me go on. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. One moment it's coming in, the next minute it's going out. How many of you ever found your faith like that? Okay. He says, it is blown and tossed about by the wind. It's the wind that causes, we know that our tidal system works by the movement of the moon and the gravitational pull. But we also know that when cold air comes over a body of water and it comes down from high regions and it meets a lower area of warmer weather, the turbulence between the two currents, cold and hot, will cause the waves of a lake to be stirred up and create gigantic waves. And so he says, uh, the one who uh, doubts becomes like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So you must believe and not doubt. When you believe and doubt, believe and doubt, you're like a wave that goes back and forth. That person shouldn't expect to receive. They need to know in that state of being, you will not get answers to your prayers. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Now, what's interesting is, and I love going back to the original Greek or the Hebrew. The Old Testament is Hebrew. New Testament is Greek. Sometimes things lose translation lose 
depth of meaning in translation. So this word double-minded from the Greek uh, manuscripts is dipsuhos, dipsuhos. And it means of two minds, wavering, and then it says literally, of two souls. The left side, the right side. Of two souls, two cells, two minds at odds. The mind of logic and reason and belief system together with its memory of pictures and words, and it's at odds with the mind of emotions, sentiments, moods, and memory made up of feelings and even the sense of smell. Amazing. James says that what will block your prayers is a soul that isn't united but divided. And I want to speak to you, and I'm coming around the corner. I'm about to close with some final comments about your soul. Because your soul can stand in the way of your spirit and stop you from following the spirit of God and going from victory to victory. Your soul is what will take you into depression. Your soul is what will kick into gear all the feelings of rejection. And before you know it, you're taking offense at everyone and anything that's going on. Your soul is the one that will cause you to spiral into hopelessness. It's the conflict of the mind of logic and the mind of the emotions. And what will happen in the soul is that the soul will speak to us from the memories of negative things stored in the mind of logic and from the memory of negative things stored in the memory of your emotions. And unless we as born-again Christians learn how to harness the soul, it will limit it will cap, it will hold back the power of the Holy Spirit working in our spirit. I don't know about you, but even at this late stage in my life, I want to be even more effective for God through Jesus' name by the power of the Holy Ghost. And the way to do that is to harness my soul, the left side and the right side, so to speak, I'm using a simile from what we know about the physical brain. And I want to bring my soul into agreement with the Word of God. Most people never discipline their thoughts or their emotions to think according to the Word of God. I speak to my emotions. And when my emotions are working against me and I speak the Word of God, and I say, fear not, for the Lord is with you. But, 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 you know, and it starts drawing information from my memory. Memories of emotions that were in absolute terror and panic. And it calls on the memories of my logical mind. And it starts flashing words and pitches in front of me. And that's when I have to decide, will I live by my soul or live by my spirit? The spirit will always agree with the word of God. And I will say, no, soul, be quiet. You are going to hear the word of the Lord. You're going to submit to the word of the Lord. This is reality. Fear not, for the Lord your God is with you. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, David was greatly distressed. Not only was King Saul hunting him down like a dog to kill him, David was given a city called Ziglag by the Philistines. He, they knew that he was running from Saul, and he had alleged allegiance to them and continued to fight against the Philistines' enemies, which was a dual purpose because they were also the enemies of Israel. So it appeared as if there was a fracture between King Saul and David, and David had gone over to the side of the Philistines. He alleged a loyalty, but was only fighting with them to conquer common enemies. Everybody on, on board with me. And so the Philistines had given David and his men and their wives uh, a, a little town called Ziglag. And one day David and his men were out to war, and when he came back, they found that Ziglag was just smoking. It had been raided by the Amicalites, a mutual enemy to both the Philistines and, and David, representing uh, the future king of Israel. And so the city was smoking, and the men came and they saw the cattle were gone, the sheep were gone, but worst of all, their sons, their daughters, and their wife was gone. Every man had lost that day. Every man in their soul. Just like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, my soul is heavy within me. He was grieving. Emotion is connected to the realm of the soul. And every man, one and all, immediately suffered a great defeat, not because of what the Amicalites did, but because they accepted it in their soul. Their mental facilities and their emotional sentiments came into agreement, and all they could do was think the worst. That's what happens to you when we allow Undisciplined thoughts to paint pictures in front of us. I'm not going to get healed. I'm so fearful. Something bad is going to happen. This pandemic is going to kill me. I'm going to live in terror. If you don't harness your soul, your, your soul will master you. It's not a good master. It's not a good master. If you don't harness your soul, your soul will master you. It is not a good master. If we continue to read the story, it says, Now David was greatly distressed, verse 6, for the people spoke of stoning him. One moment, they're following him and seeing victory after victory. King Saul's chasing David, but these men are loyal to David. What happens is they come home and they see their sons, their daughters, their wife, their livestock gone. And emotionally they go from one mind to another mind. And one moment they're following their fearless leader. And the next moment they're ready to stone him. The soul. Watch what happens. Watch this. Because it's amazing. It's what separates champions. And makes them champions. And I want you to see it. 
So David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul, the soul of all the people was grieved. Are you hearing me today? All right, I'm going to start from the beginning. Are you hearing me today? The soul of the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. Now watch. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David wasn't going to let his soul speak to him. David wasn't going to let memory speak to him. David wasn't going to let logic speak to him. David wasn't going to let negative belief systems speak to him. His eyes are telling him, David, you're done. You're done. Even your own men want to kill you. David wasn't going to let his eye gate or his ear gate speak to his emotions or to his belief system. Instead, he shut his soul down and he started to strengthen himself in what he knew about God. Hallelujah. He spoke to his soul. If you keep reading the story, you'll see that he actually inquired of God. He spoke to his soul. If you want to rise up above the sea of depression, speak to your soul. Speak to your fears. Speak to your emotions. Speak to your belief system and make it come into agreement with the belief system of the word of God. Yeah, give the Lord a clap offering. And so in Psalm 103, for the last few weeks we were looking at Psalm 34, Oh, taste and see, the Lord is good. Now in Psalm 103, David says, And forget none of his benefits. And here in verse 2 he says, Come on, praise the Lord, my soul. I think he says it a total of three times. Praise the Lord, my soul, all of my innermost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to start to share with you some of the benefits that David listed. These are things that gave him backbone. These are things that gave him faith. These are things that made him fierce in the spirit of God. And we're going to go over them much like David has gone over them. But as I conclude this message today, there is a point two. And the point one that it was that he told his soul to rejoice in the Lord. Point two is he says, take to remembrance the things that God has done and the things that God will always do. Forget not all of his benefits. You see, David reminds his soul of the things that God did for him and the things God did through him in the past. Let me give you an example, and this is my closing example and my closing argument. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34, just a few chapters before what I read in 1 Samuel 30. David was only a shepherd boy. At his father's request, 
He packed a couple of mules with cheese and bread and cakes of raisins and, and figs, dried figs, and he brought it to his brothers as supplies. They were on the top of a mountainside. The Philistines were on the top of another mountain. The Philistines had, had ordered a challenge. They had a nine-foot-tall Goliath. And the challenge was, if any one of your men can defeat our champion, we will serve you. But if we defeat you, you will serve us. And the Bible says that all of the armies of Saul were shivering in their boots. They were afraid. Now, you and I will face many Goliaths in life. And they're not always living, breathing things. Sometimes they're spirit. Sometimes they're just circumstance. We will face many Goliaths in life. But I'm going to tell you right now, the biggest Goliath you will face is not the devil. But Pastor Rob, the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. I'm going to tell you something. The devil is a pushover if you conquer one giant, and that is an undisciplined soul. Because when you conquer an undisciplined soul and bring it into agreement with the Word of God, your spirit will rule your soul and your body, and your spirit will always be in submission to the Holy Spirit of God. And nothing shall by any means harm you. So this is what David does. He says, forget none of his benefits. He comes there and he sees this giant all of nine foot tall. I'm five foot nine. My, my uh, reference book says Goliath was uh, nine foot nine inches based on the uh, measurements in Hebrew. I would say that this is probably three feet, maybe two and a half feet. Add that to my height and you still only have seven foot nine. This guy was over nine feet tall. And David goes to Saul, the king. This is before Saul became jealous of him. You see, let me explain something. Saul was jealous of David because in a short distance of time, David had more victories than Saul had ever seen. And Saul was jealous. And here's the problem. Saul never disciplined his soul. But David did. And Saul went from losing the kingdom, and David went from shepherd boy to gaining the kingdom. David goes to Saul, and this is what he says in, in chapter 17, verse 34 to 7. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it with my rod. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. 
the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You see, David was reminding his soul of the benefits of God. David had such a disciplined soul that he would get his soul in agreement with the Word of God. And when his soul was in agreement with the Word of God, his soul would be in submission to his spirit. And David would reinstate divine order in who he is. You are a triune being. You are spirit, soul, and body. The first fall that took place was that God's divine order became Satan's disorder. And man has been living in disorder ever since. But when we discipline our soul according to the word of God, it comes into agreement with our spirit and our spirit will be in agreement with God. Then you will be united, spirit, soul, and body together with the word of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord will be upon you. David said, soul, bless the Lord. Come on, get happy. Come on, get your act together. Pull your head out of the sand. Come on, emotions, I'm talking to you. Negativity, I'm talking to you. Memories, shut up. I will remind you of the word of the Lord. Amen. And when you make that decision in your soul, your spirit will rise up and start to follow the Spirit of God. Most Christians don't sustain consistency and consistent victory because they still struggle with their soul. Decide. Decide. Who will have the last say? Your emotions? Your fears? Your memories, the pictures, those dark gray pictures, the haunting words. Who will have the last say in your life? Because who has the last say will be the master that controls you the rest of your days. When we master our soul, the reason why Jesus said to his disciples, and nothing shall by any means harm you, is because when you master your soul, you shut every door and you close every window on the enemy and he has no access to you anymore. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they'll live like sons of God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And forget none of his benefits. Today, this message is about identifying your soul and speaking to your soul from the word of God. Speaking to the mind of logic, reason, rationale, belief systems that are contrary to what God says. And speaking to your emotions and making them submit to the word of God so that you will be a man or a woman who lives from the Spirit and lives through the Holy Spirit of God.
Amen. Come on, let's stand. David said, oh, taste and see, God's good. He also said, forget not his benefits. What has God done for you? Just think of one thing. What else has he done? Fill your mind and your emotions with how God has answered your prayers in the past. And they act like stepping stones to take you to a higher place of being. We need to remind ourselves that God is good and that God is faithful. And I know that this word is for all of us today because God confirmed it even in the praise and the worship. Everything was about talk to your spirit. Everything was about being a champion, not allowing fear. last song told us to break out and worship the Lord I can't think of a better musical accompaniment of choruses and songs to put together with the word that God had for today these are not just the thoughts of a well studied pastor in unison both the worship leaders and singers have heard from the Spirit of God, and so has the pastor. And the Spirit of God is speaking a message. Yeah, I believe that there are some dark times ahead of us. And the Christians who will thrive are the ones who have mastered their soul and brought it into agreement with God. We need to get out of our soul and into our spirit by letting the word of God have the last say in everything we believe, even about ourselves. You know, I believe in praying the scriptures. I'll take a scripture. The Apostle Paul says things like, for if any man is in Christ, behold, he's a new creature. The old has passed. And when the enemy's trying to dump on me and he's talking to my soul and he's bringing up memories of my past failures, I take on the word of God and I speak to my soul. And I start to quote the scripture and I say, Rob Scarallo, God has said in his infallible word that he doesn't see you according to the flesh. But anyone who has accepted Christ, Rob Scarallo, you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Therefore, God doesn't see you according to the past, but he sees you as a new creation. And if a new creation, this is the creation that is born again in Christ Jesus. Therefore, it's better than what the first Adam left me with. This is what the last Adam has healed and raised up. I am a new creation. You see, I speak to my soul from the Word of God. If I'm any good at preaching, you know where I got all my practice? Preaching to my soul. I take the, what God's Word says about me and I speak it to me. And after I've convinced me, then I speak it into the heavens. And I tell the devil, 
go back to the hole you crawled out from because you have no right to stand before me. I stand in the name of Jesus Christ, the Most High. Amen. Every one of you, do you know where you are right now? Don't say Tampa. And don't say grace and faith. You know where you are right now? Far above all principalities and powers. You are sitting in the heavens side by side with Jesus. And the God of this world is under our feet. When you pray, pray from that position. Because when you pray from a mental image of being under the enemy's attack, you're not in agreement with the Word of God. And you'll never start from a place of faith. I am seated in the heavens with Jesus, far above all rule and principality. I make sure my soul is in agreement with the Word of God. And then my spirit will be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Every eye closed. I said that every person's spirit is dormant until they come to Jesus Christ. The Bible says that when we ask Christ into our heart, our spirit is awakened. You can't bring your soul into submission to your spirit and the spirit of God until your spirit is quickened, awakened. This is why Jesus said you must be born again. You were born of your mother and your father, and you were born of the first Adam. But when we are born of the last Adam, Jesus Christ, we are born again and spiritually we come alive. That's when your soul can submit to your spirit and then the spirit of God. If you're not sure if your spirit is quickened, if you're not sure if you're born again, if you've never asked Jesus Christ in your heart, then this service is just for you because God wants to awaken your spirit so that he can have fellowship with you in your spirit. In your spirit. Amen. He comes to take away and wash away all of our sins, all the reasons why you think you're not good enough and all the reasons why you think he'll reject you, he comes to wash them away with the blood of Jesus. He levels the playing field. <laughs> if you've never asked Jesus in your heart, let me tell you, Jesus is busting at the gate to come into your heart. Every eye closed. If the Spirit of God is talking to you and you want to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, quickly raise your hand right now. Come on. Come on. Put your hand up and say yes to Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand. God bless you, sir. And put it down. Who else wants to say yes to Jesus this morning? God wants you to be born again. Not of the fabric that will lead us to failure but of the fabric that will lead us to faith. I want everyone to pray with me. And sir, if you would pray with me, everyone repeat after me. Those of you that are watching via the different social media platforms, if you've raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. And as simple as it is, God will hear it. 
if you mean it, and he will come into your heart, absolutely. God doesn't make things difficult. Religion does. Everyone repeat after me. Dear God, I sense, I believe you love me. I sense your presence. God, I have sinned. I've made mistakes. Things I don't want to remember. And yet I sense you want me. I welcome you, Jesus Christ. Come into my heart right now. Come and live inside me. Live in my wounds. Live in my hurts. Live in my weaknesses. And bring your strengths to my life. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. And live in me. And lead me. I surrender to you. I thank you, Father, for hearing my prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. That prayer doesn't make you a member of this church. It does something way better than that. It makes you a member of God's family. And if you've asked Jesus into your heart today, I'd love to talk to you, have a couple of minutes with you. And those of you that are watching Call into the church, 813-855-8491. Let someone know that today you ask Jesus Christ into your heart. Amen. Turn around to somebody and say, it has been great to be in God's house today. Amen. God bless you, church. Have an awesome week. We'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget, daylight saving. <laughs>